theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. excited to be here. I'm excited to be with you. I'm going to direct your attention to the book of Mark. I'm going to be reading uh, chapter 9 verses 14 to 24. Mark chapter 9 verses 14 to 24. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible but on your screen you're going to see the New King James Version so there may be some slight differences in the words that are being read but the essence of the story is essentially the same so you should be able to follow when they came back to the disciples they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them immediately when the entire crowd saw him being Jesus they were amazed and began running up to greet him And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? The them being his disciples. And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he being Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Before you're seated, just wave at someone, smile at them, and then take your seat. For those of you online, if you're with someone in your home, just give them a high five. If you're by yourself, Just say, God bless me and make yourself comfortable. 
For the next few moments, I'd just like to speak from this thought. The Lord of possibilities. The Lord of possibilities. And so you should see on your screen, I'm not sure if those viewing online can see the picture that is being displayed in the sanctuary, but the picture is of two American figure skaters by the name of Chris and Alexa Nearum. And so Chris and Alexa Nearum have had been skating together since 2012 and possibly from all of the practice hours and all of the effort and all of the energy that they put into perfecting their craft, it seems that a love affair budded between them. And the couple was married in June of 2016. And so four years approximately after they started skating together, they were married. Two months after they were married, Alexa was diagnosed with a rare and potentially life-threatening gastrointestinal condition. And so as a result of the diagnosis, the couple had to immediately withdraw from all skating events. And subsequent to their withdrawal from their skating events, Alexa had to go through three separate surgeries to try to address the diagnosis. Through that process, Alexa lost more than 20 pounds. And as you can see from the picture, it's not as though she had a lot of weight to give to begin with. And so 20 pounds for someone of her size, and particularly an athlete, is significant. Not only did she lose 20 pounds, she lost muscle as well. Not only did she lose muscle, but she lost some of her body mechanics. In other words, her ability to move. And it appeared as though Alexa's skating career was over. On the brink of losing, likely one of the things that she would have cherished the most, losing her skating career. One thing that Alexa held on to, and that was her faith. And so in an interview with NBC News, she said this. She said, when my body was at my weakest, my faith was at its strongest. And so when she was at a low point in her life, she was somehow still able to keep her faith intact. And so contrary to what you might expect, the couple did not give up in the face of this dramatic diagnosis. They didn't quit, but they continued to work hard and they continued to have faith in possibilities. Now, it's important that we point out that their faith wasn't just a theoretical thing. 
it wasn't just theory. They didn't just say, we believe that Alexa would skate again and sit down and do nothing. But their faith propelled them to work. Their faith propelled them to act because they believed in a possibility. They put some effort and some action behind it. And so because they didn't give up, because they continued to work hard as a result of their faith, illustrated through their work, the couple was able to represent the United States of America at the 2018 Winter Olympics Games in Seoul, Korea. And not only that, this couple helped the figure skating team win a bronze in the team event. And so faith is defined as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, it's important that we lay a foundation right here. It is important for us to recognize and understand that we interact with God on the basis of faith. Our engagement with the living God is on the basis of faith. We do not interact with God on the basis of our righteousness. Our right choices does not merit our interaction with God. Our wrong choices does not merit our interaction with God. We interact with God on the basis of faith. And Hebrews makes that clear. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so it is at this moment that we have to liberate ourselves to be able to interact with God in power and in authority and in expectation. And so some of us in this room are sitting down on regret because we've made some bad choices. Some of us are sitting here that are restricted because we don't feel as though we have a calling or we have something to offer to God. Well, I want to encourage you and liberate you. You do not have anything to offer God. You may have made right choices. That doesn't matter. The scripture says that our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. But if somehow you can muster up enough faith within yourself to have complete confidence or complete trust in Jesus, you can have some meaningful interactions with God. Now, can I just sit here just for another moment? I, I, listen, church, can I, can I just be honest? So sometimes, sometimes we come in church and, and we get caught up in a lot of the phraseology and the, the cliches. We talk about how great God is, how awesome God is, but somehow that's external from us. We celebrate 
Extraordinary Church, extraordinarychurch.com, but it has to go beyond just a domain. Listen, if this church that God has called out to be extraordinary is going to be extraordinary, somebody, can I say this, in the building, in the sanctuary, but wait a minute, it's not restricted here. You might be home online. It includes you as well. Somebody has got to come out of themselves and believe that all things are possible if God is going to use somebody he is going to use you we have to liberate ourselves from our own mental doubt and barriers and limits if God is going to be extraordinary in this world he's going to be extraordinary through you and through me not by might or by power but by my spirit, saith the Lord. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. But we stop there. But that's not where it stops. According to what? The power that works in us, in me. There is a liberty, there is a power that is resident in us that we have got to release, and it's released through faith. Now, it's important to recognize that faith is not static. It, 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 it just doesn't stand still, but it's dynamic. It's alive. It's continually active. Now, the reality Faith. It's demonstrated through the things we say, the things we do, and the attitudes that we display. If you want to see what a person believes, look at the things that they do. Listen to the things that they say. Watch the attitudes that they demonstrate. Now, I'm not saying there are not exceptions or abnormalities. In other words, there aren't blips. There are things that we do that's not reflective of what we believe. But the consistent trend of behavior and attitudes and words reflects what we believe. Case in point. If I said to the sanctuary right now, there is a fire in the back. Whether you believe me or not would become apparent very quickly. If I turned around like this and turned around again, those of you who believe me, you'd be gone. Whereas the others who weren't quite sure were skeptical or flat out didn't believe me, you'd be sitting there looking beautiful as ever. But you would do something. And so the things that we say and do and the attitudes that we display are not our faith, but they're reflective of our faith. And so I want to highlight this just for a moment because James talks about faith and works. And some of us get caught up in the works part and think that 
not telling lies is faith. Or doing the right thing is faith. James says, you know, I have faith, you have works. He says, I will show you my faith by my works. So the lying is not our faith. But I don't lie because I believe lying displeases God. So the lying is not my faith, but the lie, sorry, the, the telling the truth is not my faith, but telling the truth is reflective of my faith. And so the Nehemiah's faith was dynamic. It wasn't static. They didn't just have faith that somehow Alexa would skate again and sit on their faith. But it was dynamic. It was active. They put work in. They put effort in. They practiced. They pushed past the pain. They pushed past the barrier. And they were able to accomplish the achievement of their goal, even though she was diagnosed with a life-threatening disease. So I want you to see this. Not only was her skating career at risk, but her very life was at risk. But somehow the couple got enough faith to say within themselves, Alexa, not only are you not going to die, Alexa, not only are you going to live, but you're going to return to skating. And not only are you going to return to skating, but you're going to return to skating at an Olympic level. That's faith. Now, possibility is defined as a chance that something might exist, happen, or be true. Possibility is defined as the chance that something might exist, it may happen, or be true. And so Jesus said this. He said, if somehow you're able to believe in me, he said, all things are possible. I want you to understand that Jesus is the Lord of possibilities. And so this brings us to our text. And in our scripture text, a man brings his son to Jesus' disciple to cast out a demon from him. But the demons are not able to cast him out. Now, at this particular time, when the man brought his son to the disciples, Jesus, he wasn't with them. And so as you read through the Gospels from time to time, you'll see happenings, and then all of a sudden, you read that Jesus went off with Peter, James, and John to accomplish something. And so in this particular case, Jesus had gone up into a mountain with Peter, James, and John. And in that mountain, he was transfigured. And they saw his glory. They saw the manifestation of who he was. And beside him was Moses 
and Elijah. And after this was over, Jesus headed back down to where his disciples were. And this is where he encountered this commotion. And so Jesus says, what's going on? And the man, the, 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 the son's father explains to Jesus what's happening. And so there are a couple of things that we need to take note of in the scripture text. The situation that is presented is a very dramatic one. The son was possessed with a demon. The demon had the effect of making the son mute. In other words, he couldn't talk. It, it, it incapacitated him. And the demon possession sent him into convulsions. In other words, it caused him to have seizures. I would say that's pretty dramatic. Not only that, but it appears as though the situation had been happening for some time. And so when asked by Jesus how long this has been happening, when we read about how the boy is described, he's described as a son. But the father says to Jesus, it's been happening since his childhood. And so I have to infer, I have to read in because it doesn't tell us. If he was a child, it likely would have described him as a child, but it described him as a son. And so he told Jesus that this has been happening since his childhood, which indicates to us that there had been some time in between his childhood to where he was now. Not only that, but the situation was potentially deadly. And so we're told that the demon attempted to kill the son by throwing him into the fire and throwing him into the water. And this happened frequently. And so it was deadly, it was dramatic, and it had been happening for a lot of time. It's a great story in the Gospel of Mark. But the real question, the money question, what does the scripture text relate to me? What meaning does this text have for my life? What's the impact on me? And so to be able to accomplish that, it requires an honest evaluation, an honest search of ourselves. It requires some self-reflection. And it's important for us as people of faith to be honest with ourselves. We can fool other people. We can fool the pastor. We can fool our spouses. We can fool people. But we can't fool God. So I have to be honest with God. If I'm angry about something, you know how sometimes we're, we're, we're passive aggressive, something's bothering us, and then we say, you know, are you okay? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And that, that typically happens with, uh, you know, marital interactions. I'm quite the passive aggressive character. 
And so, you know, when something happens between me and my wife and I'm not happy about it, and she's like, oh, you know, did something bother you? No, no, I'm okay. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No, 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 I'm all right. I'm all right. I could fake my wife out, but I can't fake God. And so if I'm frustrated about something, if I'm hurting about something, if I'm broken about something, if I'm carrying regret, if I'm carrying unforgiveness, if I'm carrying some weight, some question, some why in my spirit, I have to be honest with God. And so if I'm going to have a truly dynamic experience, if I'm truly going to experience the power of God, I've got to be honest with God and I've got to be honest with myself. How can God heal me if I'm not even willing to reveal that I am broken on the inside? I heard them say in the earlier service a couple of times, this is the perfect church for imperfect people. It's because God is here. And so I need to ask myself some questions. Am I dealing with a dramatic situation? Is what I'm dealing with dramatic? Am I facing some kind of challenging circumstance? Has my situation been happening for an extended period of time? Is there something in my circumstances that potentially could kill me? Am I dealing with a life-threatening diagnosis? Am I in some kind of trouble? More importantly, am I dealing with something that has the capacity to destroy my faith in Jesus? Am I doing something? Am I wrestling with something that has the capacity to destroy my faith and confidence in the almighty God is what I'm dealing with only solvable by the almighty God. And so it may be that I have a relationship with someone close to me or someone in my family and we've fallen out because my trust was betrayed. And I'm feeling angry and I'm feeling bitter, but I feel as though if I say that, I'm going to be attacked because I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to believe. I'm supposed to forgive, but I'm really struggling with it. And I feel as though if I expose this, I'm going to be attacked. And I'm, I'm struggling with it. And I can't, I can't say it but, it, but it's there. Every time I'm around this person, I feel that, that funny feeling. I'd rather greet someone else before I greet them. That's just an example to kind of frame our minds around some of the things that we really could be dealing with that we've sheltered ourselves from in our minds. A Lord, because we said Jesus is the Lord of possibilities, a Lord is defined as someone who has authority, control, or power over others a master, or a ruler. And so in our world, that term Lord, having control or power over others, can be applied to many people in our world, can be applied to people in governmental positions who have authority over people, have authority over portfolios, have authority over various processes. Could be applied to someone in a corporate setting, someone who's responsible for the direction of a corporation someone who's responsible for the safety of a staff, someone who's responsible for revenue, could be applied to other people, maybe in authoritative positions, maybe 
are peacekeepers in the military or in um, the police services. But the thing that's interesting is that while there's an acknowledgement of lords in our world, Revelation 17.14 tells us that Jesus is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And so you may be struggling with a Lord, but that Lord has to call Jesus Lord. You may have a boss that is out of their mind. You may be in the court system and having to deal with a judge that is just so arrogant. But I want somebody to understand you may be facing a situation right now that seems to be in control of your life. But every knee shall bow and every confess uh, willingly or unwillingly that Jesus uh, Christ is Lord uh, and so someone needs to get an encouragement in your spirit that my God is Lord my God is Lord my God is Lord he's in control of everything he is the Lord of possibilities. And so in our mind, we may be able to run through a myriad of variables and possibilities in our head. And so maybe I've lost a job and I'm trying to figure out the variables and the possibilities of how I can get a job and God will help me. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'll go on to LinkedIn and I'll reach out to someone I used to work with because, you know, networking is the way that we're supposed to do it and all of that. And maybe I turn my resume and I rearrange it this way because I'm trying to get into the finance industry and, you know, your, your resume has to be a certain way. And so we do all of the various things to try to think about a possibility that something might happen, a possibility that I may get a job, the possibility that something may exist, that there's an opportunity out there for me. It just hasn't happened. That's as if my faith is at this level. But what about those of us who our faith is not at this level for some of the things that we're dealing with. What about those of us who it, there's, there's no way in our minds that we see a possibility. There's no way in my mind that I see how I'm going to be able to forgive because the hurt runs deep. There's no way in my mind, how am I going to be able to wrestle with this abandonment that I'm feeling? It runs deep. I don't see any way possible. I'm dealing with a diagnosis, and the medical community doesn't even seem to understand it. I don't see any way for this to come together. My child has left the faith and they're out there clubbing and partying and living all kind of ways. And I don't see how they're going to come back to the Lord. You may be wrestling with something and, you know, pastors up here preaching possibilities and he's telling you how God wants to use you. But you're looking at yourself and thinking how insignificant you are and you're wrestling with 
every voice that ever told you that you would never be nothing, that you were stupid, that you were inconsequential, that you were insignificant. And so the pastor speaking as an oracle for God is telling you that you're going to be mighty for God, but you in your mind is wrestling because you hear voices that tell you that you mean nothing, that you're absolutely worth nothing, and you're in the house, and you're saying that that is a far possibility that could never happen in my life. And we're wrestling. But I want to encourage somebody, as my Bible in Romans tells me, that the one that we have to do with, Jesus Christ, he calls things which are not as though they were. He calls things out of nothing and manifests them into something. That's like the angel of the Lord stepping down in Israel to a man that was sharing out wheat and he was a scared because the Midianites were going to come down and destroy and take all his wheat and the angel stepped down to a man who was living in fear who was hiding but said the mighty man of valor I want you to know something Gideon was a frightful fearful man until the angel of the Lord stepped out and declared over his life that he was a mighty man of valor there are people in this auditorium there are people under the sound of my voice that are watching online god has declared things over your life time and time and time again but there's a struggle we're struggling with it we're struggling with it it's a fight and it's real But when God declares something, it may not have been true prior. But when God declares it, it becomes true. It's like in the darkness, God said, let there be light. And there was. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.